hosts of Common Sense Investing have been helping their clients and listeners make sense of the markets for nearly three decades. Using a conservative, diversified, value-oriented approach to investing, they strive to make you a better educated, well-informed investor. And now here's your host, Eric Whiteman. Thank you and welcome to this edition of Common Sense Investing. Glad you could join us today. Well, glad you could join me, Eric Whiteman, partner here at the XML Financial Group. I hope you're having a good week. We've got a lot to talk about today, so I'm going to try and put three pounds of stuff in a two-pound bag. It may not be pretty, but we'll get it done. We'll talk about the markets, and I have a couple of stocks I think you might want to look at, and I want to mention a few things to keep in mind while you're searching for investments for your portfolio. So first, let's talk about the markets. We have this tug of war going on with a formidable competitor, which is the U.S. economy on one side and the worries of an all-out trade war on the other. And over the last couple of weeks, it's been the strength of the economy that's been winning out. And this has allowed investors to focus on earnings, which, if the analysts are right, should exceed 20% growth for the quarter. We have a strong economy. We've had an easier regulatory environment. We've had a reduction in the corporate tax rate and a record number of share buybacks. All this is great stuff, but, and there's always a but, right? But all this great news could be priced in. Who knows? The analysts have penciled in these great numbers. And what typically happens over the course of a quarter is those estimates tend to come down. So expectations start off high and then over the quarter, they come down a bit. Well, we haven't seen that. Expectations started off high and they've stayed there. Now, if I were a gambling man, I would bet that we don't see much out of stocks because of the good earnings are already expected. The bar set high. I think we continue trading in this range that we've been in since late February. And eventually we'll break out to finish out the year at new highs. That's what I think. One thing to watch and among a whole bunch of things to watch, but one one thing to watch would be the strength of the U.S. dollar. If it keeps appreciating, then it's going to hurt earnings for the big multinational companies. 60% of the S&P 500 total revenues comes from overseas. And if the dollar gets stronger, well, earnings are going to get weaker. Sell-side analysts have already cut their first quarter of 2019. They've cut their first quarter earnings estimates from 10% down to 7%. Aside from the dollar, growth is going to decelerate going into next year because you lose that one-off impact of the tax reform. And let's face it, year-over-year comparisons are going to get really difficult because you had a big first quarter this year. I think we need a sideways to lower move in the dollar to keep the party going into next year. All in all, I think we need to be a little more cautious now and let the fundamentals do the driving. In other words, buy great businesses when you think that they're inexpensive. If you were able to listen last week, and if you weren't, you can always go back and catch up. You can find us on 
iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, well, wherever you found us today. You can always go back and catch up on last week's episode. But if you were able to listen to last week's show, you know I talked about how I like the big pharma and biotech stocks. Since I'm a conservative kind of guy, in other words, I'm cheap, I don't like to just own a biotech stock in my portfolio. No, that's too risky for me. No. I want to own the best-in-class drug stock, which I believe is Johnson & Johnson, symbol J&J, and I'll talk about them in just a minute. And then, if you feel you can handle the risk from there, own a smaller type position in a riskier biotech alongside of that core holding, of course. I think you need to have that core type drug stock first. If you've ever been to a personal trainer, hey, you've thought, I want to get in shape. I'm going to hire this person to train me. That trainer almost always will have you work on strengthening your core because that's where your power comes from. With a weak core, well, everything else doesn't really work so well. You need to have a strong core. And it's the same thing in investing. You need to make sure you have that really strong core portfolio that you can build off of. I have three basic reasons why I like these drug stocks and the biotechs. First, investors are worried about healthcare reform. But we've had a little more clarity on the regulatory front. And it really doesn't seem so bad as what was first thought. My take on it is, is that, yes, you will see some things change, but the drug companies will still be able to raise prices by at least the rate of inflation. And we're talking about branded drug prices here, not the generics. The generics are a whole different story. The second reason is drug sales are expanding and inventories are declining. And third, the third reason is You've had a very pessimistic outlook on the group, and they're being priced according to that sentiment. In other words, they're cheap. Let's take a look at Johnson & Johnson. As I said, it's symbol J&J. Right now, it's trading around, well, as I sit here, it's trading around $128, $129. It's up about $4.5 after they released earnings on Tuesday morning. Now, Johnson & Johnson basically has three separate divisions it operates, three different businesses. They have the drug business, the medical devices, and the consumer products. The drug business is the largest with over $10 billion in worldwide sales for the quarter, which was about a 20% increase year over year. They grew at 20%. The medical devices brought in about $7 billion, which grew at... 3.7% year over year. So a lot slower than the drugs. And then you had the laggard of the bunch, which was the consumer products division, which brought in three and a half billion and they grew less than 1%. So clearly the biggest part of the business is growing like a weed and the smallest part, well, probably needs a taste of medicine from the drug division. The consumer products part has been a drag on the overall business for a while now. But frankly, I kind of like the diversification. I don't like the growth numbers, but I like the idea that it's a diversified company. The stock isn't cheap. It Well, it isn't as cheap as I'd like it to be, but no stock ever is. With that said, Johnson & Johnson is a really 
high quality company run by a good team of managers. On a gap basis, that's the general accounting principle, on gap basis, it's trading at about 18 times earnings. And then on an adjusted basis, pro forma, it's about 15 or 16 times earnings. So it's not as cheap as I'd like, but for a high quality business, I think you need to pay up a bit. Well, pay up more than what you would for a lesser quality business. They have a terrific balance sheet. As a matter of fact, Johnson & Johnson is one of the few companies that has a AAA bond rating. Some people, I always hear people say, oh, only buy me bonds that are AAA rated. Well, I'll tell you, there's only a handful. There really, there really aren't that many out there. So when they say that, it's very difficult and very limiting. But anyhow, Value Line gives Johnson & Johnson an A-plus for financial strength, their balance sheets. Balance sheets matter. They get a hundred for earnings predictability and a one for safety. Those are all the highest marks you can get. If you don't have a core drug stock in your portfolio, well, I'd like to nominate Johnson and Johnson. I'd start nibbling if it dipped back below 125. Remember, you always have to do your own research to make sure an investment is appropriate for you. That's critical. Listen, We need to step away for a minute, take a break. And when we come back, I want to give you a few things that I want you to keep in mind while you're doing your homework. This is Eric Whiteman for Common Sense Investing, and we are back in just a moment. You've worked hard. You've saved and invested. Now you want to make sure all your hard work pays off. Now's the time to start planning for that future. Hi, this is Eric Whiteman of the XML Financial Group. No two people have the same goals and values. We can help you craft a framework for making a lifetime of smart financial decisions that's right for you. Now's the time to get the advice you deserve. Call us at 301-770-5234. Well, thank you and welcome back. I have a few things I want you to keep in mind when you're doing your homework, when you're doing your research on investments for your portfolio. These are the things I want you to think about. Number one, don't go chasing an investment just because it's going up. It's, I think it's one of the worst things you can do. You want to make sure you're maintaining your margin of safety. In other words, Once you find a good company, you have to decide what price you want to pay for it. What's a reasonable price? I like to say I'm trying to buy a dollar for 50 cents. If I could buy a dollar for 50 cents and sell it for a dollar 25, well, I do that all day long. You know, (laughs) I was I was lucky enough to be in Rehoboth Beach uh, this past weekend and I had just parked my car and got out and. I used the mobile app to pay for the parking meter. A lot of you probably have this. So I got out, I paid for the parking meter with the mobile app. And at the same time, a car pulls in next to me and they get out and they didn't have the app on their phone, which is fine because you can always pump quarters into these parking meters. But unfortunately for these people, they didn't have change. So they asked me if I had change for a dollar. And I looked and all I had was three quarters. And you know what they said? Fine, we'll take it. 
we have some place we we want to be. Basically, I bought the dollar for 75 cents. I was pretty excited. And of course, I was thinking, how could I do that on a grand scale and really make money? But anyway, finding deals in a rising market gets more and more difficult the higher the market goes. So don't bend or don't give in on pricing just because you're not finding the value you want. Maintain your discipline and keep looking. It becomes a lot easier when everyone is panicked and running for the hills. And it also works in reverse. If one of your holdings is becoming egregiously overpriced, you might want to take some off the table. If someone is willing to pay you more than what it's worth, well, then you probably might want to consider taking their offer. And I wasn't about to offer those people five quarters for their dollar at the beach. Ah, that wasn't going to happen. Now, I don't talk much about the sell side because it depends a lot on a lot of different things. But when you make an investment, I would suggest that you have a good idea of what you want out of it over the long run. And you should do that before you buy. You should know, okay, if it gets to here, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to trim some off or I'm just going to sell it because it's overpriced. You make that decision or that estimation before you buy it. You know, I have what I call core holdings. These are stocks that I buy with the intent of holding them forever. There are, in my opinion, very few companies worthy of being a core holding, maybe five or six of them. When they become really expensive, well, I might sell a little bit. I might prune the tree. When they become inexpensive, I'll add back to them. But they're always in my portfolio. With a core holding, I'm willing to pay up a little more because over my intended holding period, paying an extra dollar or two isn't going to make all that much difference. Heck, I'm going to try and own this thing for 20 years. And a dollar or two now isn't going to make a difference 20 years from now. So don't chase an investment. Stay focused on value. Number two, I want you to have a plan. And I mean a real plan and commit to it. If you're building a house, you get blueprints. If you decide you want to challenge yourself and maybe run a, a, a marathon, then you come up with some sort of training plan. You just don't go out and run a couple of miles. No. You come up with a plan. If at some point you want to retire, and I'll put retirement in quotes here because retirement means so many different things to so many different people. But if you want to retire at some point, then I think you need a plan. The plan is the foundation. It tells you what you need to do savings wise, and it tells you what your investments need to do for you. Once you know this, then you can start to develop an asset allocation. And when I say asset allocation, I'm talking stocks, bonds, cash. If you don't need to take a lot of risk, then you shouldn't. I say this all the time, and I'll give you a sports analogy. If your favorite team is winning 40 to nothing in the first half, do you think they're going to come out in the second half and start throwing Hail Marys? No, they're not going to do that. They're going to play smart. They're going to play more defense and just try not to blow it. The goal is to win the game, 
not to score as many points as you can. If you're trying to do that, then you're probably taking on more risk than you should. So to sum it up, have a plan. Turn that invisible into the visible. Develop a reasonable asset allocation with the goal being to meet or exceed your plan with the appropriate amount of risk. Studies have shown you're much more likely to succeed if you have a written plan. Number three, and this ties directly into number two, have a reasonable asset allocation, meaning stocks, income, and cash that are going to help you outperform your plan. You can only find out what a reasonable allocation is after you do a plan and know what you need to achieve longer term. Number four, be patient. Don't expect an investment to pay off right after you buy it. Own good companies based off their fundamentals and exercise patience. For longtime listeners, you know I've been high on the oil stocks for the last year or so, mainly the large integrated companies, some ENPs and course, the oil service sectors. I, I'm not so fond of the refiners, and mainly because their cost of ingredients, that is oil, has been rising. And the end product, gasoline surprise, well, seems like we have a lot of gasoline right now. So I'm not real fond of the, the refiners. But the one I've talked about most is Chevron, symbol CVX. And I want to circle back around to it because some of these stocks look like they could pull, uh, pull back a bit for one reason or another. And I think it could present an opportunity if they do. Chevron, symbol CVX. It's trading at about $122, paying better than a 3.5% dividend. I like Chevron because it has both the upstream and the downstream. So it's called an integrated energy company. It's roughly half oil, half natural gas. The upstream part of the business is the one that drills and lifts oil and gas out of the ground. And the downstream is when they refine it and sell it. The short story with CVX is that for several years, they've spent a lot, I mean, a lot of money developing different areas of their business. And the thought was that these investments would pay off over the longer run. Well, I think that time has come. Their cash flow is likely going to continue to improve over the next few years because that major spending is behind them. Oil prices have improved greatly and they're increasing their production. What I like about CVX is that they're now returning that cash flow back to the shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. Chevron is paying, like I said, about a three and a half percent dividend. And for the record, that's 29 years of annual dividend growth. And over the last 10 years, it's increased on average of about 8% per year. And their coverage or their ability to pay it is getting better too. When you look at Chevron, a lot of people are just going to dismiss it because they'll see it's trading at something like 26 times earnings. But remember, cyclical stocks are sometimes a bit different. Cyclical stocks are the ones that have these boom and, uh, these boom and bust phases to them, like the semiconductors or uh, think the home builders and the oil stocks. There are times that you buy them and the time, well, you don't want to own them. 
typically you buy them when they have high PEs because the earnings have dropped off because it's in the bus part of the cycle. There are no earnings and you want to sell them when they have really low PEs because their profits are peaking. It's a bit of a different animal. Value line gives them an A++ for financial strengths. And as you know, balance sheets matter. They get a five for earnings predictability, which is pretty darn low. And really, that's what you would expect from a cyclical company, a a company, uh, an oil company, excuse me. And they get a one for safety, which is the highest that you get. If Chevron came back to about 120, well, I'd start to be a buyer again, but I'm not going to chase it here. I'm going to be disciplined. If it comes back at 120, well, I'll start nibbling at it again. That's about all we have time for this week. We'll be back next Wednesday with new ideas. And until then, remember, it's just as important to protect your assets as it is to grow them. Okay, you've listened to the show. Now it's time for the really good stuff. So listen up. It's the disclosures. The things I talked about during the show, well, they're just my opinion and may or may not necessarily be those of the XML Financial Group. Don't construe this as personalized advice or a solicitation to buy or sell a security. No, no. You should consult your own financial advisor to see if it's appropriate for you. It's also not a substitute for tax or legal advice. I'd suggest you get someone who's qualified in these areas so you can get the advice you deserve. When you're talking about asset allocation, diversification, rebalancing, they don't guarantee better results and they don't eliminate the risk of losses. In investing, there are no guarantees. Just because you use these strategies doesn't mean you'll outperform someone or something who doesn't. XML Financial LLC is an independent registered investment advisor.